Wrestling with my brother. We got a podcast, yeah. Wrestling with my brother. Hello and welcome back to the podcast that's more over the top than the Royal Rumble, but more underhand than a heel. It's wrestling with my brother. That's nice. That's a good one. When did you prepare that one, bro? Literally seconds ago. <laughs> and uh, for all of you just joining us, off air, just before I hit record, Darren said, you're a post-nasal drip. <laughs> just, just give me a bit of context into our relationship. Talking smack before we've even started. What can I say? Talking snot, snot down. How are you, brother Darren? I'm very good. Yeah, enjoying the uh, the weather, no. which I will say no more about because no. I'll date it. No, no. <laughs> yes, it's freezing cold, isn't it? <laughs> On a freezing cold Monday morning. Brr. Brr. How are you? I'm okay. Just you know, there's ice on my windows, and oh, I had to take the car out this morning. It was yeah. Apart from that, I'm I'm good. No, I'm good. I caught up with uh, AE Dub Dynamite Dynamite. <laughs> so that was uh, it's gone a little bit slow, dear I say, and I think the reason for it is because they're bringing in so many WWE talent. I'm not even calling them wrestlers because half of them don't wrestle as much as manage. I want to see from the young people like Ray Phoenix. I banged on about him every week. I need to find. A clip of him because he is literally Rey Mysterio, same first name, same tattoos, same mask. I'm, I'm generalizing, same moveset. He's amazing. He hasn't been on. I think he's injured. And I'm just like, oh, God, I don't want to see Christian Cage. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I saw a meme the other day. There was, um, you know, those graphics they do. Christian Cage is all elite. Yeah. I saw four of those together. So there was Matt Hardy is all elite. Christian Cage is all elite. Big Show is all elite. Mark Henry is all elite. And somebody said, what the fuck is this? Smackdown 2003? Yeah, I don't I don't care about any of those. Matt, you know, reinvented himself with the, the whole crazy gimmick. And, you know, fair play to him because Jeff is, you know, going to steal the spotlight wherever he goes. But I don't give a shit. How can you get excited, you know, and... Oh, so yes, it's, it's still good. It's still really good, but I think they're just losing a bit. They've got to be careful now not to tip over into uh, late 90s WCW where they were just after any old, you know, WWF reject. Yeah, I, I, I feel bad for like the homegrown talent, you know, Hangman Adam Page and, and the Young Bucks and... All of these big stars, even John Moxley, you know, he's not Dean Ambrose anymore. So you really can distance yourself from what's going on, you know, with him with WWE. And, you know, Moxley is, you know, independent wrestling. So he's probably reinvented himself. You forget that he was from WWE. And yeah, it's just a bit of a shame. But I don't know if you've been following on Twitter, Matt Cardona and uh, Nick Gage. At the minute, uh, I, I've, I've honestly been like blown away because Nick, I think Matt Cardona tagged Nick in like a, a toy hunting post and he's photoshopped them together. 
And then Nick was like, what the fuck is this? I'm calling you out, punk. We never met. Don't fucking go telling the Twitterverse that we met, you punk. All of this stuff. And everyone's like, Gage is gonna kill you. And I'm literally watching thinking, what's this? This is blowing up. And he's, Matt's like, oh, you know, let, let's be friends. And, you know, we should get you on the podcast. We'll talk about figures. And he's like, fuck you, bro. I ain't talking about your stupid kids' toys. I'ma fuck you up. And I'm like, oh my God. And he actually then turned up at a GCW event, pretending to be John Moxley, um, Dumbledore and DDT'd him and, and took the mask off and he was actually Matt Cardona and he was just flipping the bird to everyone. But he, he really did pull the wool over my eyes because Nick's Gage being to bloody prison, he is a legitimate badass. And he's like, fuck you, we ain't ever been in the same room. I was like, whoa. So yeah. Sounds good. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I can't <laughs> pretend that I've been watching much recent wrestling. No, that was on Twitter, so just watch it by your feed. Oh. Anyway, let's start this pod, shall we? What would you say? What do you reckon? I reckon so. Okay, do it. It's time for... Would you rather? So, would you rather this week? It's my turn. And (laughs) this one is based on... A question that's been asked many times in many ways across the internet. (laughs) So, would you rather fight 100 duck-sized big shows or one big show-sized duck? (laughs) Have you you heard this question before? I think it's called the the horse-duck question. I've heard Ricky Gervais asking similar things on his podcast. Oh, ask... All I can think of is I've seen from Jurassic Park and those itty bitty cute little dinosaurs swarm around <laughs> a guy. It's got to be the giant, the giant duck, I think, because being like an avid retro gamer as well, I've been Mario trying to defeat Bowser. You just sneak up behind the prick, grab his tail, spin him around, and throw him. You carry on doing that technique like three or four times. And I think I could defeat him. Whereas a hundred little twats going, yeah, 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 big show, yeah. That's that's what they sound like. Um, it might be too much. So yeah, and go and go with a big one. So you wouldn't you you would want to fight a five hundred pound duck in a, a black singlet? Yeah, I mean, I I doubt his ring attire has anything to do with. You know, <laughs> me beating him. Um, he could be naked for all I care, but a hundred little bastards. You know, I, I know ducks are small, but they could climb on each other's shoulders. They could form like three or four giant ducks just by, you know, like a human pyramid of ducks almost. So, yeah, what about you? Are you going the other way then? I think I was. I think a 500-pound duck would be terrifying. I, <laughs> I don't think I would want to come across a duck, you know, seven foot two, 500 pounds of feather and beak. <laughs> uh, not sure I'd be up for, for encountering that. No. You know, unless I had a fuck ton of bread with me. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, with a hundred duck-sized big shows, it'd be hilarious. I think I'd be laughing so much and you just you just kick them off. Or just do that thing where you hold you hold their head at the arm's length. And <laughs> but then there's a hundred of them. Yeah. hundred is a lot. Is a flock. Is a flock of big shows. What's a what's a, a group of ducks called? Is it a flock? That's geese, isn't it? I will find out now. What is the collective noun 
for a group of ducks. You've got a murder of crows. Just it think. is a flock, unfortunately, or a herd, a herd of ducks, or a flock of ducks. That's <laughs> boring, isn't it? Yeah, I wanted. Oh, a gaggle of geese. There we gaggle go. Of geese. Or, or girls, a gaggle of girls. <laughs> um, so you go. What's a, what's, what's a collective noun for a, a massive group of big shows? Then. <laughs> <laughs> Just a big show. <laughs> a big show of big shows. <laughs> Would you rather? Amazing. Love it. Oh, God. I have nightmares tonight now, but either one, either one is terrifying. Okay, some proper randomers this week. I thought we'd mix it up a bit. Yeah, uh, talking about uh, nightmares, eh? What? Your clips. Nightmare inducing, both of them. Oh, yeah, they are actually. It's a bit of a segue. Yes, my first clip is John Cena versus the fiend Bray Wyatt. Uh, and it was a Firefly Fun House match at WrestleMania 36. There's another world that exists beyond our realm of comprehension. A world where our darkest urges are no longer kept secret. A world where gods, monsters, angels, and demons are neighbors. <laughs> Who are we really? And why do we do the things that we do? Hey, John, let's take a real deep look at who you really are. I say match. It, it wasn't a match. It was bloody weird. Um, but, you know, we've we got to mix it up on this pod. I've picked two non-matches this week, so go me. I'll make it for next week. So this is basically COVID mania, um, you know, in the empty training centre. We've already discussed one of the strangest matches in WWE history, which was the Boneyard match on the very same pay-per-view. Um, this is another one. I know you're not going to like this because it's not a match and it was bloody weird and just pathetic and strange but you know I, th- I thought it was interesting to talk about it um I'm not a fan of Cena but him <laughs> reacting to no one during his entrance I thought was really funny the way he kind of walked out and is oh I'm in awe I'm at Wrestlemania dude there's not even a janitor there it's just literally empty but yeah, that kind of led to the strangest match ever. You know, if if the Boneyard match had big screen theatrics, this had a weird TV show cancelled after the pilot feel to it. I mean, it was a deep dive into the twist of mind of Wyatt, um, <laughs> Vince, or McBig, <laughs> was it Mr. McBossman as the devil? Um, the ruthless aggression references, because that's when kind of Cena joined the company. So we saw Cena's prototype gimmick, uh, his first thugonomics gimmick. Um, and, you know, it, it did cause a bit of traction when Cena came out, you know, with the NWO thing, because at the time, I think they just shared a screenshot of it or a little clip and everyone's like, holy shit, A, are they bringing back the NWO? And B, is the biggest face in the whole of the company actually heading up it? So that was quite clever, the way they kind of portrayed that. Um, well, was, there, was there a promo with him? Wearing that before the event? No, I think, like, you know, his entrance in air quotes during that match again in air quotes when it's, the music hits and he comes down in black and white. I'm sure WWE just shared 
either a gif or just a photo of him wearing the black t-shirt during the match quote unquote and that did get the kind of rumor mill flying i think you know hashtag nwo started trending so that was clever on their part to kind of you know build a bit of hype for that <sighs> yeah i mean it, it wasn't a match it was bloody weird um and who'd have known that husky harris could be so bloody strange yeah Husky Harris. That Husky Harris reference that Cena made in his rap made me laugh. Yes. <laughs> thought that what, was good. What did you think of this technical clinic, bro? Well, actually, on, on the Husky Harris thing, it reminded me of when um, the fans at the beginning of the Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family gimmick would still chant Husky Harris, <laughs> which was a bit unfair. Um, yeah. But, you know, you can't do that as effectively these days as you used to be able to, you know, in the old days, you can't repackage a very well-known wrestler into a completely different gimmick because, you know, smart marks, smarks mm-hmm. are just too knowledgeable about wrestling and they can find out who that person is. It's not like, you know, back in the day when, you know, who was the, oh, there was the one, the, the repo man, and he was somebody before he was the repo man. That sounds familiar. Well, I, you know, I, I can empathise because when I used to come out of CW Storm, they'd all just chant chameleon. And I'm like, no, I'm not him anymore. And I think you did get some skateboard kid chants as well to the Red Dragon. And you want to kind of lose that, don't you? And Yeah. yeah OK. <laughs> Don't dismiss me. So the Repo Man, who I was thinking of, was uh, Smash, one half of Demolition. Uh... And I remember that example's specifically because he had the same tattoo and I was like I know that tattoo and they just clearly repackaged a well-known wrestler um, into a completely different gimmick and, and tried not to mention it but you just can't do that these days anyway that's a bit of a diversion no much like the Boneyard match I know why they did this I know why they had to do it and it was very creative and very odd and uh, I can't say I particularly enjoyed it you know it was really odd um, people really seemed to like it though, and they thought it was very creative and innovative. So, you know, what do I know? Um, but it's not what I watch wrestling for. You know, I watch it for the in ring action, and there wasn't enough of that or any of that really in this match. I mean, I understand why they did it and the restrictions that were placed on them. And, you know, in terms of creativity, yeah, 10 out of 10. But I, it's not something I would want to see again necessarily. I like the Vince puppet, like you said, that's funny. You know, the eighties and NWO throwback scenes are quite fun, and you know, reliving Cena's career um, was was really interesting to see him wearing those outfits. Um, yeah. You know, from his past, particularly that first match with Angle, um, and just to think again, kind of how long ago that match was, and how good he still looks. And I don't know whether people age differently these days because of diet and health regimes and, you know, all the exercise and, and things that, that people do and they're more aware of health and fitness, that sort of thing. But I think if you look at a wrestler that was big in the early 80s and then compare him and then who was still active, you know, maybe 20 years later and compare, I don't think you'd look as good as, as Cena does now. No, no, I mean, yeah, but even when the Hulk returned, I mean, Christ, he lost so much muscle mass. And then he, he came out like years later and said, yeah, I was on steroids, even though at the time he was like, I, I did it once and tried it and that's it. 
he clearly he was like a different man when he returned and that was kind of in one of his many returns to the ring you know it wasn't even yeah the the rock match which we shared it was way before that but yeah it's weird we've uh, we've gone hulk again i thought we'd <laughs> <laughs> we pledged last episode we were going to be hogan free we've hulked up we can't help it we've hulked up again bro <laughs> what i'll do i'll uh, i'll create a hulk horn so it'll go brother every time we mention him yes <laughs> we'll have to have a, a hulk jar so <laughs> we put like money in it and then at the when we finally are reunited in person um, after we're all jabbed up, we can uh, we can share whatever's in the Hulk jar and go and buy ourselves, you know, a Hulk Hulk Hogan figure or something. Hulk Hogan DVD. Oh. No, to quote TNA, beer money, bro. Just that just all goes in a jar, and then yeah, <laughs> beer money ink. You pissing Stephen? <laughs> the rate we bloody talk about him. Oh yeah. Okay, so onto my first clip. This is Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman versus Kane at the Royal Rumble in 2018. Wait, 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 wait. And now Brock Lesnar trying to pick the leg of Strowman. That clubbing. Oh, oh that wow. Good a knee to the jaw. Lord. A knee to the jaw. He caught Lesnar good. A knee to the jaw yeah, caught but... Brock good. And Brock got him back. Lesnar just threw a bomb tattooed Strowman. Oh. Looking for the F5 oh. now. Kane looking for a choke slam. And there's the choke slam by Kane! So for all the love that I have for the fast-paced, high-flying innovation of the smaller Lucha Libre-style wrestlers and, you know, the, the technical mat-based wrestlers as well, I think there's still something that catches my attention about, you know, watching genuinely giant men beating the shit out of each other. Um, and it's like Mickey said in uh, Rocky Three, I've seen wrestlers that was bigger than dinosaurs. You ever fight a dinosaur, kid? <laughs> I mean, actually, I think maybe one of the commentators in this match had that quote in mind when he said about Strowman, it's like getting drop-kicked by a T-Rex. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've got three of the biggest and most aggressive big men in recent WWE history in the ring together. And I, I picked this match for a couple of reasons. Um, not because it is the best match in terms of wrestling or technical ability or even violence. Um, the main one actually was because WWE has just released Braun Strowman, which came as a huge shock to almost everyone in the wrestling world. I mean, the guy's got so much potential. I just don't understand why they let him go, you know, and, and he's been universal champion. He fought Tyson Fury at a Saudi pay-per-view and only two months ago, he headlined a pay-per-view in a triple threat match for the WWE championship. I don't know how they can get rid of him, you know, literally just a couple of months after that. If he'd been languishing in the mid-card for the last year or so, you could you could maybe see it. But, you know, WWE made him completely as, as a character. It's insane to think they could just let him go like that. Yeah. What, first of all, before I go into the match, what did you think about that? Was that did that come as a shock to you? Yeah, I mean, did he start in WWE? I, I don't know what he's done before this. Like you said, it felt like he was made in the WWE factory. And, you know, he was Braun Strowman and he was WWE, but it, it is getting ridiculous now, for Christ's sake. Why every week on this pod are we discussing the latest person's been kicked to the curb? Samoa Joe, all the other people in that wave, uh, you know, female wrestlers who are just getting their big break and then, 
you're not struggling, Vince. You're not, there's no Monday Night War. AEW is still not competing nowhere near the level that WCW were at their prime. You know, they are topping the ratings certain weeks, but I, I don't get this. The revenue is coming in. And it's quite interesting because I've seen it from the other side as well. Because I used to work in licensing and I went, it sounds really posh now, I went to a, a WWE a licensing event in London. And just to see how diverse the brand is, you wouldn't even know as a wrestling company. I mean, you know, just the merchandise, the toys, the website, social media, uh, you know, and, and all the other stuff, all the fan zones and you know, the, the the just giving things and all of this stuff. Why are they doing it? You don't need to save money. You're not going anywhere. You're not close to bankruptcy at all. I mean, going back to my favourite guy and my favourite promotion, in the dying days of ECW, he didn't lay off a single person. He owed a lot of money, but he didn't, he didn't give anyone the boots. They were at the last pay-per-view and the very last event. So I don't know why Vince is doing it. It doesn't make any sense. No, it certainly doesn't. I mean, if you've got to keep the wage bill down for whatever reason, then fine. But, you know, it's really odd to drop a headliner, you know, who you've put so much faith in. And he was made in WWE. I mean, he had a strongman career before um, he went to WWE, but he didn't take part in any wrestling before that. He literally started in WWE in 2013 in a developmental territory Mm. um, and then, you know, worked his way up. And like I said, they've pushed him to the top he's been a a top uh draw for them for the last couple of years it's just yeah so strange but i think this match showcases a lot of what made him such a good wrestler you know he came straight at the blocks showing the speed and the strength that made him so impressive um and then that knee that he landed on brock lesnar's head at 49 seconds this was the other reason i picked this clip was because that knee accidentally connected Um, Mm -hmm. And Lesnar was furious with him. So the follow-up punches that he threw were real. Um, But even then, he doesn't react like he's been punched for real by this monster of a man (laughs) who who is a former UFC fighter. He just takes it in his stride like like his character does. It's, you know, he's seriously impressive. Um, and that punch that he threw to the chair as well at 1 minute 45, that was equally as impressive. And just so many little things about this match I liked as well. You know, we've seen plenty of announced tables broken over the years, but I've never seen one thrown onto a wrestler like Lesnar did to Strowman. Um, I felt a bit sorry for Kane uh, for two reasons. Firstly, because he wasn't particularly impressive in this match, didn't have much to do. All he seemed to do was choke slams, and when he did, the crowd couldn't care less. Hmm. They they weren't interested in him at all, whereas they were responding to everything that, that Lesnar and Strowman did. So he was a bit of an afterthought. And then when he was F5'd onto that table and it didn't collapse, I just thought, oh God, you know, <laughs> that, that's got to be tough. That's got to hurt. And also they didn't move the monitors out of the way either. So, you know, one of those or the both of them would have hurt him hmm. more than landing on a flat table. Um also, one more thing before I let you give your criticism of the match. Did you see Waldo in the front row? <laughs> no. No! There was a guy dressed up as Waldo. I'm not sure if it was Louis Theroux in costume or... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll have to share that. Yes, yeah, send me a screenshot of that. 
I didn't see that at all. I, I, I got nothing to criticise. I absolutely loved it. I, I thought it was superb. I mean, such high energy, you know, battle of the beefcakes. Come on. I mean, you don't see that blistering speed and that pace set by people that big. And yeah, I mean, you could tell I was a fuck up with the knee and then God, Lesnar's face, let alone that punch. You were seething it like you said. It was like he'd flicked him on the end of the nose. Braun was like, okay, on with the match. He, he didn't even touch his jaw. <laughs> so funny. The man is an absolute monster. I do think it was quite cool that Kane, you know, used his finisher in like a minute. Uh, and, and that kind of dictated the pace of the match. I said, oh shit, normally he's building up to his choke slam. And then it's a big finish. He pins like the Undertaker pins and his job done. But to hit that at one minute... You know, yes, he was a bit an afterthought and they probably looked at the Ross and thought, right, who's, who's another legitimate huge guy that we can throw in the mix? But you can tell these two are kind of the the future. Well, <laughs> they were the future. Um, just a few of the comments made me laugh. They were like, oh, they love their tables in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, you think? Of <laughs> course they do. It's the Homer tables. Um, <laughs> but just how tiny they looked in Braun's hands. Did you notice that? When he like... Mm. Normally, you know, Devon get the tables, and Devon's not the biggest guy in the table. He's kind of struggling to pick it up. But in Braun's hands, I don't know. I just find myself chuckling. Like, looks like a doll's furniture. The power slam through the table seemed a bit impromptu. It seemed to come out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah, it was a bit strange as well because he didn't let go of him, so he kind of fell into the table with him. Yeah, and and then when they shoved, when they got shoved through the table, I just thought, ah. Oh, they didn't really build up. Perhaps they knew. Well, they obviously did know. They only had nine minutes or have you know however long the match was uh, to, to get all these spots in. Given that both men took blows to the head from equally massive men, I think they can probably be excused for maybe botching oh. a couple of the spots or mistiming things. I don't think they were botched or mistimed. I just don't think they were built up. You know, it was kind of like watching a barbed wire match and you're thrown in the barbed wire within the first you know ten seconds. Um, I, I'm used to seeing, oh, that table's been in the corner for five, ten minutes now. When's someone going into it? And it was like, oh, all right, you just kind of pushed him through. Cool. <laughs> um, but just, yeah, another stupid bloody comment by Cole. It seemed like he knew it was coming. Yes, Michael, that's kind of the point of wrestling. What? And I reckon he got a proper ear lashing from Vince for that doozy because you know what Vince is like. You bloody idiot! You're gonna you gonna make up for that comment. You know he's he's on the headset. I just think, what a stupid thing to say. We all know he knew it was coming. Um, yeah, I love the F5 through the announce table. I love how, did you notice how Booker quickly grabs his phone off the table moments before it's tipped over? <laughs> yes, I noticed that as well. Oh my, like He knew it was coming, wouldn't it? And it's strange. Everyone's aware of what's happening in a wrestling match. That is something that really made me think about that as well. Because, you know, for a good portion of the night, that is their working environment. You know, yeah. that table, they've got everything they need there, professional and personal. So like they belong in their mobile phones and, and whatever they'll they'll store out of sight. They'll use the monitors to see more closely what's going on in the match so they can call it. But then in a pay-per-view, they know that <laughs> the working environment is going to be destroyed, you know, in the main event or sometimes before. So that's got to be a strange thought. Imagine going to work every day and knowing that at some point your desk is going to be totaled and you're just going to have to sit in your chair and work. 
I love that. That's got to be a comic strip or a little animation or something, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, great. <laughs> and they look so pathetic for the main events. I and mean, they just sat in a swivel chair with nothing. Uh, no, I mean, I can't. I can't recall many matches where all three announced tables are gone as well. Normally, like, the Spanish announced table, God bless them, that's the first one to go, that's a given. <laughs> all, all the foreign announced tables are the ones that go first. Um, but normally, you know, you get you get one in one match, then another in another match, and maybe the main event, they go through the third table or the makeshift version of one that's already collapsed. But when have I seen one match with all three gone? There isn't much else they could do, is there? Uh, well, I mean, not since uh, WWE 2K or SmackDown versus Raw. I've <laughs> seen all the <laughs> tables destroyed. Yeah, no, th- that was it, really. Yeah, I, I love that he, he pushed it on top of him and then he kind of beasted out of it. I wish it could have been longer. That's all. And I, I don't think Kane added anything. I don't think he needed to be there, to be honest. He was cannon fodder for the most part, <clears throat> um, which was interesting because he's not normally cannon fodder, I suppose. But yeah, I wish that both of them would have just had more time because the energy, uh, just for the sheer size of them, I mean, it's kind of Mike Awesome levels, but just the next level again, you know, and scary, scary power and speed. I mean, Brock Lesnar terrifies the shit out of me. He really does blur the lines. You know, we've we talked about it before in the Brawl for All and people like Ken Shamrock and, you know, they are legitimate dangerous men, but I don't know, it's just something about Brock. He seems, I don't know. Like, you you can't really... What's the word I'm looking for? You can't separate the character from the man. Yeah, just... Oh, unpredictable. I was, was going to say insecure. Stupid. No, he is unpredictable, and you don't know what he's going to do. And, you know, you shouldn't really react like that. He knows it, it was a mistake to, to knee him in the face. He knows Braun didn't mean it. He's a professional. But to retaliate like that, they call it giving it a receipt, didn't they? Mm. In wrestling. And I know, like, uh, the Paige talked about it in her film, and you know, give her a seat and the WWE kind of told her off, right? We don't do that here. Well, <laughs> Brock sure did. He didn't get that memo, obviously. Yeah, I think another thing with um, Brock as well is because, especially in his most recent WWE run, he very rarely breaks the character of being this insane, monstrous badass, you know. He he's, doesn't do a lot of talking on the mic. You know, Paul Heyman does that for him. Mm. Um, I don't know whether he does many outside appearances, but he certainly doesn't seek fame. He doesn't do, you know, interviews. He doesn't do shoot interviews or podcasts or, or things like that, or, you know, to, at least to my knowledge. I think he has built up this aura around him. I think basically he wants to go there, do the job, earn his money and go. I don't think he wants any of the rest of the fame and the adulation that goes with it. I think he he probably was happier in inverted commas in UFC, but you know, in terms of his health and longevity, I think wrestling is obviously a better option long term. So he went went back to that. But yeah, yeah, he is he is genuinely scary. Um, but again, it, just watching all three of these giant men in the ring, you know, they they are incredible specimens of, of humanity and it, it did kind of take me back to that feeling about watching wrestling at the first time it was like seeing cartoon characters brought to life you know comic book superheroes with you know bodies and physiques and sizes like you've never seen before you know muscles on muscles um 
and it just yeah there is something that's just still awe-inspiring about watching absolutely giant men fight each other especially when they are as skilled and as fast and as hard-hitting as these three now you know you could have <laughs> the giant gonzalez versus the great carly as two giant men but that would be the worst most plodding fight in the entire world so when you see three giant men who know what they're doing you know fighting each other it is, it is a spectacle yeah no you're 100% right I mean we've joked for years by calling him the big slow and you know to bring it back to the first segment and he is for the most part fuck me he's boring he is just slow and you know, right off the off the bat, a front drop kick from Strowman. Holy shit, where the hell did that come from? No, I, I loved it. I, th- I thought it was wicked. And yeah, you know, we've featured a lot of high-flying matches and some technical, quite a lot of hardcore. Sorry, brother. Um, but yeah, this was good to kind of to see and yeah, beast of the match. Oh, yeah. Now, before you introduce your second clip, uh, there was something that I meant to talk about at the top of the show, uh, but I forgot. I got all distracted. So That's... we put out another poll last week, um, and I think the fans must have listened to my criticism uh, last time around because we had, well, the response <laughs> was overwhelming compared to the previous week when we had zero take part. This time we had... Two votes. Booyah. Can you see who the votes were? No, unfortunately. I'd love to see who the votes were, but it doesn't give me that information. Although, we do know that uh, Just Incredible, Mr. PJ Palaco, did like it, so I would like to think that he's one of the voters. But anyway, the final results were, would you rather take a chair shot to the back or be put through a table? And both votes, 100% said, be put through a table, which is essentially what we said as well. Unanimous. And PJ's been put through a lot of tables. I I think he's done it. I think he's he's done the right thing. It's a nine. I saw we had a few votes. And I'm clicking into the, the analytics and why can't you see who's voted? I, I need to know. I have to ask him. Yes. So... This is my second clip Ooh, from Just Incredible to a guy who put ECW on the map. This is New Jack Vic Grimes uh, talking about the XPW fall. We had stacked 12 tables up in the ring. He touched one. Vic over them table. I was trying to throw him. I wanted him to land on a post, the turnbuckle post. I was hoping that he landed head first on top of that pole. No, so this is kind of to pay homage a little bit to Jerome Young, who sadly passed away a few weeks ago. Um, you know, never the best wrestler at all. To, to you know, he talks about his training as a wrestler. But what were you asleep, Jack, or why you just decided not to take any of that advice on board? I've never seen him throw a suplex, I've never seen him do anything, but it doesn't matter, you know. Just like the Sandman, he was always the most controversial. Um, and what he certainly lacked in technique, he more than made up for on being a legitimate badass. And you know, on the mic, he was superb. I mean, in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, Jim Cornette said, Look, just go out there and rile at the crowd. You're a black guy. And you're, you're in front of all these hicks and rednecks. 
go out and 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 you know get racist heat basically and he did it better than anyone and you know most of his promos were unscripted and he was superb as a character you can't deny how amazing he was as a wrestler abysmal you, you i wouldn't even put him in that category but as a performer yeah there again because he proved that you don't need necessarily to you know <laughs> practice drop toe holds every night um so what this was a little interview basically so what they they were alluding to was a spot known as the danbury fall uh, that took place at living dangerously 2000 um basically vic pushed it out uh, at the top of a scaffold spot resulting in him basically falling on new jack's head uh so it's just some of the ailments from that i don't know if you've seen this clip i will send it to you it is horrific now, the Sandman described Vic Grimes as Humpty Dumpty with arms and legs because he is literally like the biggest wrestler you've ever seen, but not brawn big, just fucking big, lazy big. And he just landed on New Jack's head. So New Jack is blind in one eye. He had brain damage. He had insomnia, constant headaches and short term memory. So he couldn't remember anything past like three days on. And, you know, however much I love the promotion, I thought it was absolutely deplorable just to push him aside and carry on with the next match. I, I thought he was disgusting. And, you know, Joey Styles on commentary, it was all genuine. But uh, come on. I mean, how he didn't die. He had brain fluid coming out of his friggin' nose. Oh, my God. But that is just a day in the life of New Jack. I could sit here all night and talk about the mental shit that he's got up to. So basically, XBW was an LA promotion. It started in the summer of 1999 by porn producer Rob Black, who we saw uh, briefly during the Louis Through porn episode. And this, you know, let's be fair, this is the only place Jack could go after ECW folded. I can't see him knocking on Vince's door and Vince going, yes, I'm going to put you in a technical wrestling clinic with William Regal next week on Raw. You know, it was never going to happen. Everyone was scared shitless of him. He did do a little stint in TNA, but even then, those matches were just hardcore matches. Um, so, yeah, then the payback occurred at Freefall, uh, which was a pay-per-view, and, you know, it, the main event was a 40-foot scaffold match. And, basically, Jack stunned him with a stun gun, which he bought from a thrift shop uh, the day of the match. And unbeknownst to him, they'd moved everything over. He wanted to kill him. He wanted to throw him off and for him to hit the concrete and die. Um, which is why he clipped the ring ropes. But yeah, the only injury he had was basically dislocated ankle. And after the match, he kind of said, you know, now we're even, bitch. And and yeah, so, you know, I, I wouldn't have chosen it, you know, other than the fact that Jerome slightly passed away. And, you know, he, he, was, he was a really violent character and really controversial. But, you know, you don't want to see anyone pass away. It, it was really sad. He's got a family and, yeah, just... Unbelievable. I mean, like I said, I could easily fill a podcast with, with with spots that he's been through throughout the years. I'm not even going to ask you what you thought of it, but just tell me some comments. I mean, yeah, I, I picked two non non matches this week. I can't imagine you got much constructive to say. I mean, this was just insanity. The lengths that some wrestlers go to, the damage that they inflict on themselves and each other in the name of entertainment is genuinely scary. I mean, New Jack is, was terrifying, you know, because he brought that element of realism into his matches. You genuinely thought this was a crazy bastard 
who could do some crazy shit. I know we talked about Brock Lesnar, but at least Brock Lesnar was a fighter with a fighter's pedigree and the training of a wrestler. You know, New Jack, I don't think he had any of that. He was just, as far as I'm concerned, he was just a guy who came out of prison from the streets and uh, said, right, I'm going to do some wrestling. Like, that, that'll be my next thing. And they're like, yeah, come on. So, you know, we'll, we can be a gangster. He was a professional bounty hunter. That was his job. He, he had four justifiable homicides, I think, to his name. So he actually, you know, killed four people. You know what a justifiable homicide is. I don't know why I'm explaining it to you. Yeah, so he was a bounty hunter. That, that was his job. And then he created this gimmick. And I don't know, I think Jim Cornette gave him his, his big break back in Smoke and Mountain Wrestling. And then that was it, really. Yeah, and like you said, he's been at the centre of some of wrestling's craziest and most controversial episodes. You showed me this clip a while ago, and I had no desire ever to watch it again. But, you know, in the name of podcasting, I put myself through it, you know, <laughs> for the entertainment of our listeners. You know, I'm, I'm so brave, basically, <laughs> to see somebody fall from that height. You know, we've seen people fall from height before. We've had Shane falling from the scaffolding in our very first episode. We had Mankind falling from the hell in the cell. But those, as high as they were, at least had the feel of being within some kind of organised professional event. This literally just looked like two men fighting at the top of the scaffolding in some dodgy hall and then one man trying to kill the other by throwing him off. There was nothing wrestling, you know, about this at all. Um, it was, yeah, horrific. The way he bounced as well, and to think that he wasn't more seriously injured from the fall. Mm. But to hear New Jack talking about actually wanting to kill him, that's awful. How did he get away with, like, not being charged with attempted murder for that? I, I, I ask that all the time. I mean, I don't... I don't know whether I should mention the other stuff that I've seen him do because I might mention on the pod and just put you through the heartache of, of having to watch it. I think I'd get quite a giddy thrill out of forcing you to watch some of the barbaric stuff he's done. But you, you've got a problem. <laughs> you're like you're like a villain in a horror movie. <laughs> well, I think every time you slight me or correct me or frown at me, that's it. Now you just expect New Jack because I get a whole library of him, bro. Oh shit! That's that's my whole shtick. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got nothing else apart from <laughs> pedantry and frowning. That's me. That's well, who I am. Let's stop now, otherwise, yeah, we're getting some hardcore stuff. I don't know. And the uh, Vice uh, released a documentary called "The Life and Crimes of New Jack," and they interviewed D'Lo Brown, and he said, "You know, where was the line between felony and wrestling?" And he said he blurred it every single night. And he said, I'm amazed watching some of this shit firsthand, how he wasn't caught away. And, you know, he spent a lot of time with the cops. Fucking hell, they, they would come to arenas and arrest him on a, on a daily basis. But he always seemed to get off, uh, you know, scot-free, basically. There must be something about it in, and this is a word that you love, a sanctioned match that means that, oh, that's choreographed, that was meant to happen. Which, I don't know, gives him... Give some free reign, I don't know. I suppose there's that other thing as well. I mean, you alluded to it in Vic Grimes's kind of reaction to this match, you know, about them being even, that wrestlers, if and that receipt thing again, you know, if they've done something to injure or hurt another wrestler and then they get their comeuppance when that wrestler does something to them, 
maybe that's why you know that people just thought well this goes with the territory and it's an honor thing and it's a kayfabe thing i don't know i just it, there's nothing about new jack that i ever found entertaining you know watching him as a as a character because he was just so scary you know it wasn't the sort of personality that i thought should be anywhere near wrestling really but having said that you know it is it is sad that he's died um and it was quite spooky actually to hear him talking in this little clip about being happy when he's dead because yeah you know he is now dead and well let's let's hope that uh, he found happiness oh, he's, he's bound to have found peace now the stuff that he he'd gone through but i would i would suggest bro if you are terrified by new jack and you don't find anything entertaining you know about him and you know he, he's a terrifying formidable figure Go back and watch him with Barry Blowstein. You know, ha- have a look at Beyond the Mat when he's uh, he's auditioning for that TV show. You know, that's the lighter side of New Jack. Him laughing with Barry in that convertible on the way to some big Hollywood edition. That's how you should remember him. And I would suggest you fuck off. <laughs> oh, So on to my second clip, our final clip for this episode. This is Scott Steiner's maths promo in TNA. So you got a 25% at best at beating me. And then you add Kurt Angle to the mix. Your chances of winning drastically go down. See, the three-way at sacrifice, you got a 33 and a third chance of winning. But I, I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me, and he's not even going to try. Oh, this, this was just insane. So I think somebody must have said to Scott Steiner before this match, look, you know, you've got to go out there, you've got to do a promo. It's you, it's Samoa Joe, it's Kurt Angle in a triple threat match. You do the maths. And he just took it literally. <laughs> you know, <laughs> now, I was never any good at maths. I'm not a numbers guy. I'm a word guy. So I couldn't work out whether his maths in this was correct. I mean, I tried, but I gave up halfway through. So I understand that you've got a 50 50 chance of winning a match normally. That makes sense. Two people. And then, you know, only 33 and a third chance when there's three people. But, but if you've only got a 25% chance of beating Scott Steiner, if you know, 50 50 chance, then the odds are stacked against you. Well, you know, if Joe has a chance, 33 and a third chance of winning in a normal triple threat match, and then Steiner says he has a 66 and two thirds <laughs> percent chance, so far so good. But then it, it just goes completely off the rails because he suddenly introduces a 25% chance that he never mentioned before. Where did that come from? It's just insanity. But uh, And then that line, the numbers don't lie and they spell disaster. No, numbers don't spell. Words spell. Letters spell. What are you talking about? <laughs> brilliantly mad and then he just gives up on the maths and starts flirting instead <laughs> uh, all the while that that little uh, the little guy with him that is tag team partner mini scott mini steiner just kind of nodding along and looking thoughtful <laughs> how nobody in that clip is losing <laughs> in their mind laughing i don't know oh how dare you call him that little guy that's Petey williams he was literally a TNA institution. He was, you know, a proud Canadian. He was the originator of the Canadian Destroyer, which now everyone uses. You know, that sunset flip into the ball driver. I mean, that that's used worldwide. That little guy. Get out. You're a little guy. Petey Williams, a friggin' legend in TNA until he started 
being a little popper pump around the place. <laughs> yeah, mini pump. What was uh, what was that all about? Well, because he was massive. Like he was part of the X division, and like I said, this Canadian destroyer. You need quite a lot of athleticism to flip yourself over and not kill someone. He was really part of that kind of X division high fly movement, and everyone would say, "Fucking hell, he's massive." So he used to come to the ring like with chest expanders and play on that gimmick then, because for such a small guy. The dude was huge. And then I think when Steiner joined, they was like, hello, right, die your ear blonde, get some chain mail over your head, job fucking done. <laughs> yeah, but, but could he do the numbers? <laughs> no. Uh, are, are you done critiquing? Or do, is There's not a lot to say about this, really. I just thought it was so funny. It, it started off, I think there was a point to it somewhere along the way, um, but just quickly fell apart, lost the point, lost the plot. And descended into madness. <laughs> now I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this quote, and I hope it isn't the what the blue hell are you thinking? I can't remember the actual quote. It was one of the funniest lines in commentary ever. I'm sure Bobby the Brain Heenan uh, dropped the the line, and it was during a WCW event. Uh, I I'm sure he came to the ring with a chair. I don't know, but the lines went something like they said, you know, genuinely, what's scarier than Scott Steiner with a chair? And <laughs> Bobby said a mic. <laughs> <laughs> it really made me think of that and just like ah, oh, there were so many percentages from the offset even I couldn't keep up why did he go down the math route when the man can barely talk let alone count <laughs> yeah I, I, I put the same comment as you the numbers don't lie but Steiner does what the fuck was he talking about <laughs> oh, and then uh, oh, it, it, yeah it, it was just mental there's, um, there's another clip, actually. I might share both of them because I've shared here the um, original footage, but then somebody's actually done a clip where they show the numbers coming up on screen as he's saying them. <laughs> <laughs> just show how crazy it is. I mean, it's just brilliantly mad, the whole thing. I just had an amazing idea. What they should have done is a split screen between him and Carol Vorderman on Countdown. <laughs> Yes. Writing down his mouth. Yes, Scott, you're fine so far. That's fine. <laughs> Take away the 200, bitch. Um, <laughs> just to answer his question at the end, I would rather go home with Samoa Joe uh, because he looks like he could give a nice cuddle. You know, yeah. the deed. You know, he, he's cuddly. Whereas Steiner, what's he going to do? I mean, his idea of romance is the fucking Steiner recliner, isn't it? And that's not my idea of love. Um, and to be honest, I thought this was going to be your would you would you rather conundrum at the start? <laughs> would you rather go home with Joe or Steiner? Oh, we should have saved that for another one. I'm with you though. I think yeah, I think some Joe would be um, would be a lot more cuddly. But yeah, because yeah, because he Steiner's muscles wouldn't be nice to kind of cut into. Just the idea of Big Papa pumping me—it just is. It's not something I want to. I want, I want to visit, but yeah, just uh, you know, throwing that out there. How, how rude of him, you know? How bloody cocky! Excuse me, mate. You've got Roydzilla arms. Joe's a nice guy. I think he'd treat me right. I just love the thought. Just like, well, the numbers not doing it for you, right? Who'd you rather be with, me or him? <laughs> you know, you don't like my maths, right? <laughs> what do you want to fuck? <laughs> It's like clutching at straws on the biggest stage of them all, isn't it? 
You're live on TV. Shut up. Just cut him there. What's more dangerous? Him on a fucking mic. He's brilliant. And again, you know, you could have picked so many clips when he trips and stumbles over himself. Dude, you're a mediocre wrestler now. You were good at the time with the Steiner brothers, an amazing tag team. And then you turn into Papa Pump, just cut his mic, for Christ's sake. Why would you let the man talk? I, <laughs> it was brilliant. I loved it. It was just berserk. So there we go. That's us for another episode. Done and dusted. You've left me sweating and exhausted. Just like she said, (laughs) just like having a night with Joe. Yeah, really good. Good, uh, good variation of clips again. Um, Are you going to carry on this poll? Is this now that you've built a little bit of, you know, viral momentum? Are you going to carry it on? Yeah, I think we'll put the, uh, you know, would you rather every week up there, see what people have to say about it. Hopefully, if we keep doubling every week, it's, (laughs) you know, be huge soon. Do you know what I think? I mean, hopefully, you know, I I am really, really proud and pleased that we've got some legitimate huge wrestlers following us. I think that's bloody amazing for two brothers in Wales. And if we did get more of a following of actual wrestlers, I think just adding them and just, yeah, when when you call them out, they they then tend to, what if John Cena comment voted? Do you know what I mean? It, the mind boggles. Well, we, we wouldn't know. We, we couldn't see no. it. But no, I think, yeah, tagging, maybe tagging people that aren't even following us. At Taz, bitch, follow us. Secondly, what would you rather? Stink face or kiss my ass? See what happens. Why not? Well, do you want to take it away this week? Do you want to close the show? Because I seem to end up getting angry and uh, alienating our listeners. <laughs> okay, to so the po- two people listening, I can even call them poo people. <laughs> That's a, a Freudian slip. Um, yes, we are wrestling with my brother. We are a podcast every Monday, and we are mainly on Twitter at WrestleBros Pod. We are two Welsh brothers, and you know, we just chat chat shit as you've just heard so thank you for following I, i'm a lot nicer to you all don't let darren sign off because he's just mr angry we do appreciate it and you know we would like some more interaction so throw us a gif or a sheep or whatever you youngsters do just just throw us something just to let us know that you care about us and yeah thank you for listening we, we really do appreciate it and uh we'll catch you next week yeah poke us on myspace kids <laughs> bebo Wrestling with my brother, we got a podcast, yeah! Wrestling with my brother, 